0: Well, brothers and sisters, Happy New Year once again. I think I've had a chance to say that a couple times today already. And the question is, what will this year hold for us? It's, there's a whole year ahead of us. We can't help but think in terms of years. And Christians are those who, uh, who can truly say, in a way, bring it on. Uh, we don't say it, of course, in that normal, arrogant way, bring it on, as if, uh, as if we ourselves are, are worthy of the challenge. Instead, we, uh, we can face, I want, I want us to hear this, we can face each new year in the courage and strength of Christ. Uh, as we talked about this morning, we have the promises of a faithful God, an unchanging, faithful God. And, um, and we can live uh, by His promises uh, in order to live with courage and strength. So, what will you do with 2023? That's uh, that's the question to consider this afternoon. Uh, we rightly ask the question, uh, "What will the year hold for us?" And of course, we don't know the answer to that. Uh, but by faith, we ought to ask this this question further: What will we do? with this year do you you hear the difference when we say what will the year hold for us that's very passive you know things are going to happen to us but the more active the more proactive question is what are we going to do with the year 2023 and it's an appropriate and legitimate question because it's the question that we have by our freedom in christ Uh, The unbeliever, the sinner who is still in the trap of sin um, and under the control of the evil one. That person really can't ask and answer the question, what will I do with 2023? He or she is is only confined, even imprisoned by sin. What am I going to do with 2023? Someone might say, well, I'm, I'm going to sin. I'm going to serve the flesh. I'm, I'm going to continue my steady march toward death and, 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 and the eternal prison of hell. What do you mean, what am I going to do with 2023? What else can I do as a sinner and as a slave to sin and of the evil one himself? So says the unbelieving Sinner. But not so the believer. You need to be convinced of this because it's, it's the teaching. It's the promise of God's word. The believer gets to ask himself or herself the question, what am I going to do with the year ahead? And so I want to sound forth the call of Christ to follow him in 2023. What are you going to do with this new year? The answer of the believer in Christ should be, I am going to follow Christ. And someone might say, but, but how is that freedom? I mean, uh, if I'm still answering the call of someone to do what they tell me to do, am I really free? And here's one of those humbling truths of God's Word. That no matter whose call we answer, we are always answering a call. You can try to say, oh, but I want to be free. I, I want to do my own thing. I want to go my own way. I want to be my own self. But when we do that, if, if we say that, uh, if we, say that we, we just want to be free, we're not free. We are actually answering the call of Satan when we say that. And there really are only two choices in life. Either you follow Christ, and you do so with purpose, with hope, with peace, with joy, or you follow the path of sin and the way of, and the way of destruction. It strikes me that Luke 9, as I've mentioned, and, and at least verses 23 through 27, is a good New Year's passage because in these verses we hear the call of Christ to follow him. To follow him. And and if we wonder what that means, to follow Christ, we need only look at the Gospels to tell us what discipleship is, what, what it means to be a disciple of Christ. The call of Jesus to those round about him in his ministry was to follow him, which means to become one of his disciples. Here, Jesus puts it a, a slightly different way when he says, if anyone would come after me, at least that's what it says in the ESV. But it's the same call, the call to follow Jesus, to be his disciple. And it really is the call. We're not talking about something different than faith. This is the call to faith in Christ. We ought to, we ought to take notice and, and learn much That along with the call of God's word to faith is the call to follow Christ. These are not two different things. It's not even the matter of of the same thing only at different levels or degrees of faith and spirituality. In other words, well, I just believe, you know, he's a disciple. No, if you believe you are a disciple. It's not even the matter of, of uh, or, or it's certainly not the matter of two different things, to believe in Christ and to follow Christ. To believe in Christ is to follow Christ. And vice versa, to follow Christ is to believe in Christ. And we can learn much about our Christian lives. This is a, a marvelous thing. This is why I think we should love the Gospels. I always, I'm, always hesitate, you know, I don't want to emphasize one part of the Bible over another. But we ought to love the Gospels. In the Gospels, we get to to see Christ, and we get to see what it means to be a follower, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you in the new year just to always be reading through one of the Gospels. Read through the four Gospels at least once, if not multiple times uh, in this coming year. And as you're doing so, ask yourself the question, what does this mean to be a disciple of Christ? And you will find the answer as you see Christ relating to the twelve, relating to many others as well throughout uh, his ministry. So as we consider what we will do with 2023, let's begin with God. That's, uh, that just sounds right, doesn't it? Let's begin the year with God, and let's consider first that God is a personal God. God is a personal God, and what do we mean by that? On one hand, we can even say that God is tri-personal. Uh, as the Bible speaks of God, God is revealed to us as one God, yet as three persons: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they all and they are all persons. Think about that. They are all persons. This is the Trinity. And granted, that makes our heads spin. Uh, In fact, if our heads are not spinning, we probably haven't heard it correctly. And it shouldn't surprise us that as God reveals himself to us, as the knowledge of God is given to us, that our heads are going to spin. That should make sense in a strange kind of way. If God were completely understandable to us, then God would simply be one of us. If we are thinking of a God whom we can completely and fully understand, then we are only making up a God according to our own understanding, according to our own imaginations. And our imaginations are always limited by our own being, by our own character. But we are, we are finite creatures, We don't, not even figuring in sin into the equation. We are, we are just finite creatures. We are limited in our capacities and in our understanding, which means that we, we should actually expect that our Creator will be and is a being beyond us. That's the simple way of saying God is transcendent. God is largely unknown to us. But by way of his revelation to us, we can know him, only that we cannot understand and know him fully. Because he's God. And because we are but creatures. This aspect of our theology quickly becomes rather philosophical. Maybe you're sensing that already. Uh, and, and it's not meant to cast doubt upon our ability and our opportunity truly to know God. But it is meant to cast us headlong upon God's revelation of himself. If God is transcendent, which is to say, if God is so completely beyond us and our understanding of who and what he is, then we are, can we sense this? We are completely dependent upon him. And upon his revelation of himself to us. That we might know something of him. That we might know what we are given to know. That we might know what we need to know of God for our salvation. And one of the things that God has revealed about himself. Is that he is a personal God. I think the the personhood of God is is one of his attributes that is sometimes neglected but it's neglected I think because it's it's just assumed and it's not wrongly assumed that God is personal because he is in fact revealed to us in scripture again as being tri personal father son and holy spirit if it helps the the contrast here is to the God of Star Wars. uh, A God that is just a force. And I put it that way on purpose, referring to the God that is just a force. The God of Star Wars is not a who, but is a that. The God of Star Wars is an impersonal God, uh, just a, a largely undefined thing and power in the universe That can be used. Luke, use the force. So whispers, I think it was uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in in Luke's ear. And and, and this is how rebel sinners want to think about God. Rebel sinners do not want a God who is, but instead they want a God that is. That is. But the one true God is a personal God, which means that our own personhood is part of the image of God in us. In other words, you and I are persons created to relate to each other on a personal level. But we are so only because God is personal. You ever thought about that? When we say that God is personal, we are not Projecting our personhood upon God, instead, it's because God, it's because of God's personhood that you and I are persons. One of the first revelations of this in Scripture is is how in uh, uh, Genesis three we hear that God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day and that the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. very personal moment to reveal to us a personal God. On one hand, this is is a very mysterious reference. God walking, even walking among the trees of, of the garden. Scripture also makes clear that God is omnipresent, everywhere present by His being as God. So what can it mean that God came somewhere? What can it mean that God came walking and that he came walking in the garden in in the cool of the day? Well, it is a mystery, but but this much we learn that God is personal. That he is not an undefined force only to be used by mankind, whether for good or Or for evil. And then we hear God speak. As God came walking in the garden, he called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Here we can ask, uh, is, is, is not God not only omnipresent, but is he not omniscient? Yes, he is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He knows all. And yet he speaks. And he inquires, Where are you? As if he didn't know. Once again, the emphasis is on God's personhood. He is, he is not the undefined force of the universe, but he is the personal God who would, have a, who would have fellowship with the personal creatures that he has created. This is where we need to start as we, as we are determined to follow Christ personally. We need to start with God, and we need to see that he is a personal God, And so it shouldn't surprise us that as Christ, who is God in our own flesh, that he began his ministry by calling disciples on a personal level. A second point is a personal call. Here's, here's a connection that uh, we do not quickly make, I, I think, that, that if we understand correctly then we know that, again, as a great mystery, yet by the clear teaching of God's Word, that God became flesh in the conception and birth of Christ. Jesus is God. We probably ought to say that to ourselves at least once a day. My Lord, my Savior, is God. And so it shouldn't surprise us that, that Christ, God in our flesh, began to seek out, a personal relationship with the creatures that he had created in his own image. In this way, God coming to walk in the garden in the cool of the day, Genesis 3, is a foreshadowing of the much later day when God came walking into this world in the person of Christ. Can we see the parallel? And the effect was the same as well. When, when God came walking in the person of Christ, the people hid themselves from the light of Christ that was shining upon them. They even, wanted, they even wanted to get rid of the light. Cover it up. Don't let it shine on us, lest it continue to expose us in our sin. And yet Jesus went about calling. He, he, he was calling, as God did in the garden. Where are you? Not that he didn't know, but he was calling Adam and Eve to himself. And here, and, and now we see Jesus going about calling. Uh, Jesus went about calling, come to me, follow me. And it, it's, it's not insignificant that Jesus even approached sinners individually. In other words, he, he didn't go find a, a crowd of people, uh, a, a, a group of those already gathered I mean, that would be more efficient, right? But he didn't do that. He didn't find the crowd and, and cry out to them, all of you follow me. Instead, he went to each of them individually. He went to them personally, and he called each of them to follow me, he said. Peter and Andrew, James and John, Matthew called out of his tax booth. If you remember that story in in Matthew 9, uh, Jesus, we might say, collected his disciples from among the people and the point in this first day of the year is that he is calling you and he is calling me he's calling us but he's calling us individually he's calling us personally to follow him in this new year. And here is his call from Luke 9, 23. He thought, Pastor, that's your text? How come you haven't gone there yet? Well, here I am. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You just think about the, the pronoun, if anyone. Would follow me. And so you are one, and I am one, and Jesus is calling you as one. He's calling you personally, He's calling you individually, He's calling you into a personal relationship with Him as your Savior. Again, is it not clear that to come after Him is to follow Him? And by the full teaching of God's Word, is it not clear that to believe in Christ? I think this trips some people up, right? I mean, you know, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. And I'm not doubting those answers. But then you ask, are you a disciple of Christ? A what? But that's, those two always go together. To believe in Christ is to follow Christ. To follow Christ is to be a disciple of Christ. And here's a challenge for you. Read the book of Acts this this week. And see if you can count. Underlined in your Bible if you do that. How many times believers are not called believers, but are called what? Disciples of Christ, whether singular or plural. In fact, the word Christian, which is not a wrong word, it's not unbiblical to call ourselves Christians, but the word, you know how many times the word Christian is found in the Bible? It's only twice. Again, that doesn't make it wrong. There's everything right about calling ourselves Christians. But the word in the Bible, particularly in the book of Acts, Long after Christ ascended into heaven, yet the believers in Christ are called over and over and over and over again, the disciples of Christ, the disciples of Christ. And it includes those who never walked with Christ. In other words, you don't have to be one of the twelve. You don't have to have seen Jesus in the flesh. You don't have to have followed him for three years over his three year ministry to be a disciple of Christ in the book of Acts. Those who believed in Christ by the preaching of the gospel are called disciples, they're called disciples, they're called disciples, they're called disciples. And what did Jesus even say in his um, Great Commission? Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit. We need to give heed to what the Bible says about what it means to be a disciple of Christ because it will keep us from just being Christians by name only. It will allow us to see what Jesus expects, what Jesus wants, the relationship into which Jesus calls us with him personally, individually. You, me, each of us personally. He calls us to to deny ourselves. He calls us to take up our cross. He calls us to follow him. He gives us this marvelous promise that if we lose our life, we will gain it. But also this warning that if we seek to gain our life on our own, we will lose it. He calls us not to be ashamed of him, lest he be ashamed of us when he returns in glory. And he promises even among those who stood there that day and when he first uttered these words. Some will not taste death until, until they see the kingdom. The story of the transfiguration follows. And I think Luke is uh, pointing us to that, that Peter, James, and John got to see the transfiguration. Not all the disciples did. But we also need to see that when Jesus was meeting with Nicodemus, He said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So I think what Jesus is saying here is that there are some standing here who are going to be converted if they are not already and will come to see who I am, that he was God and he is God in our own flesh. And so guess what happens? We go right back to the Garden of Eden. Jesus calling disciples to follow him is calling sinners back into the relationship that God intended to have, started out having in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they they lived as disciples of God. They lived in dependence upon God. They, they loved God as the disciples loved Christ. They they, um, they were students of God, even as the disciples were students of Christ. They were called to spread the fame of God throughout all of the world, having been created in his own image. So here is Jesus not saying, I am God. But here is Jesus acting as God as he calls people into relationship with him. And that's the thing, that the way of salvation is not to try to have a relationship with God apart from Christ, just some spiritual thing, some decision on your own that you're going to connect with God or that you're going to decide who or what God is. But here's God himself calling each of us into a relationship with him, but it has to be through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's own revelation of himself to us. Jesus Christ, our Savior, is the only one who brings us back into Eden. He brings us back into a right relationship with the God who created us. So the call to follow me is not, you know, doesn't belong to some, you know, 1970s tradition doesn't belong to some denomination that's called the disciples of Christ. I think they're quite a mess, actually. But let's not d- let anybody steal from us the term, the label, the identity of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, this is Christ's call to you, to be his disciple. To enter into that specific defined relationship to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I call you to that on behalf of Christ within this this new year. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending your Son, Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your call to be your disciples. Let each of us hear it. And let each of us understand it, and let each of us answer it fully in this coming year for your glory and for our great and eternal good. We ask in your name. Amen.